In our sermon this morning, we'll consider the death of Aaron, the high priest, and so in preparation for that, well, let's first turn to Hebrews 7, verses 11 to 28, which speaks of our need for a better high priest. And this need for a better high priest will also become evident from our text. Let's, let's first read from Hebrews 7, verses 11 to 28. Hebrews 7, verses 11 to 28. This is God's Word. Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe, from which no man has officiated at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet far more evident if, in the likeness of Melchizedek, there arises another priest, who has come not according to the law of the fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. For he testifies, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope, through which we draw near to our God. And inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath, for they have become priests without an oath. But he with an oath by him who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not relent, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. Also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily, as those high priests, to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the people's, for this he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weakness, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the Son who has been perfected forever. Let's turn now to Numbers 20, where we'll start at the beginning of the chapter for some context. We'll read Numbers 20, verses 1 to 13 as our second reading. Then the children of Israel, the whole congregation, came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month. And the people stayed in Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried there. Now there was no water for the congregation, so they gathered together against Moses and Aaron. 
And the people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Why have you brought up the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness, that we and our animals should die there? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and they fell on their faces. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock, and give drink to the congregation and their animals." So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe me, to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. This was the water of Meribah, because the children of Israel contended with the Lord, and he was hallowed among them. And finally, our, the text we'll be focusing on for the sermon comes from the end of Numbers 20. That's verses 22 to 29. This is our text. Now the children of Israel, the whole congregation, journeyed from Kadesh and came to Mount Hor. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in, in Mount Hor by the border of the land of Edom, saying, Aaron shall be gathered to his people, for he shall not enter the land which I have given to the children of Israel, because you rebelled against my word at the water of Meribah. Take Aaron and Eleazar his son and bring them up to Mount Hor. And strip Aaron of his garments and put them on Eleazar his son, for Aaron shall be gathered to his people and die there. So Moses did just as the Lord commanded, and they went up to Mount Hor in the sight of all the people. Moses stripped Aaron of his garments and put them on Eleazar his son, and Aaron died there on the top of the mountain. Then Moses and Eleazar came down from the mountain. Now when all the congregation saw that Aaron was dead, all the house of Israel mourned for Aaron thirty days. So far. Brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, are there times when reading through the Bible makes you cringe? When you find yourself grappling between a holy God and a merciful God? Maybe when you come to the story of Uzzah reaching out to stop the ark from falling? Or in the New Testament when Ananias and Sapphira try to pull a fast one on Peter? These three people are struck dead on the spot. And we sit back in our seats and wonder, 
Was it really that bad? Well, perhaps when we think of Moses and Aaron's punishment, this is another of those passages. Moses and Aaron have dealt with a very difficult and frustrating people. If we hear Israel in the desert, we think grumbling. And so out of frustration, instead of speaking calmly to the rock, Moses gives it a solid whack. And for that, they would not see the promised land. For all that work and all those decades, their hopes are dashed. What do we do with this? Well, brothers and sisters, let's dig deeper into this passage in God's Word because we will find that He is both perfectly holy and perfectly merciful. Yes, there is punishment, but much more so, there is also gracious provision. So our theme for this morning is God graciously provides another high priest. And we'll see God's holiness, we'll see God's mercy, and we'll see God's faithfulness. First, we'll see God's holiness. Now, it may not be clear from our text, but Israel is in their 40th year of wandering through the desert. And as you may know, 40 years was a very important milestone for Israel. Forty years earlier, Israel had come up out of Egypt, and they had marched right up to the edge of the Promised Land. They had sent 12 spies into Canaan. But then 10 of those spies came back with a terrifying report, a report of giants and mighty cities. And so all the people of Israel raised a great cry against Moses and Aaron and refused to enter the land. And so because of their faithlessness, God declared that every person aged 20 and over would die in the wilderness. For 40 years, Israel must wander through the desert. 40 years for the 40 days that the spies had spied out the land. But now we come to Numbers 20 and the wait is over and all those four long decades have passed and it was time to go. You might think that after 40 years of wandering, we should be reading a story of rejoicing or renewed hope. Everywhere through the camp, we should hope to see excitement and expectation. This was the year that most had been waiting their whole lives for. But instead, we read a very disappointing and discouraging story. Israel had proved themselves faithless again. Now, of course, we need to realize that after 40 years of wandering and once again coming up short on water, that they were indeed frustrated. But they grumbled just like their parents and even dared to confront Moses and Aaron. Why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? Is it not understandable that Moses and Aaron would have been disappointed frustrated, discouraged, 40 years. And so indeed they react with anger. God told Moses to speak to the rock to yield its water. But instead Moses lashed out angrily against the people and he struck the rock with his staff. And that didn't escape God's attention. In response he declared that Moses and Aaron would not enter the promised land. 
For more than 40 years, they had labored to serve the people. They had confronted the angry Pharaoh time and time again. Alongside Joshua and Caleb, they had pleaded with the people to trust God and enter the land. And when the people refused, instead of abandoning them, Moses and Aaron accompanied them for the next 40 years in the desert, tirelessly putting up with their grumbling and rebellion. Time after time, Moses and Aaron interceded for the people, pleading with the Lord to spare them. But now we come to the end of 40 years and Israel is still grumbling. And so Moses' temper flares. But is that really reason to deny him and Aaron entrance into the promised land? We wonder. Our gut reaction is to think that's not fair. Did they have a right to be frustrated? After all these years, haven't they at least earned the right to cross the Jordan? And yet we come to our text and God has not relented. Aaron is to climb up Mount Hor and and there he will die. Israel would go on without him. And Moses too would later climb Mount Nebo to die in the same way. The reason we need to spend time thinking about this is that we won't be able to see the full extent of God's mercy and faithfulness in our passage if we can't come to terms with Aaron's punishment. In order to understand God's gracious provision, we also need to understand His holiness and justice. So we see in verse 12, God gives the reason for Moses and Aaron's punishment. They had directly disobeyed His command. Instead of speaking to the rock, Moses had struck it and spoke angrily to the people. But more importantly, God says there, you did not believe in me. To uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel. Go back to verse 10 and see what Moses actually says. Hear now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Must we? Instead of giving glory to God, Moses and Aaron had pointed to themselves. With the staff of God that had shown God's power in Egypt and at the Red Sea. Now Moses uses it as a symbol of his frustration. Instead of representing God to the people, they had obstructed the people's view. They had misrepresented him. Making it seem as if their anger and their frustration was also God's anger and frustration. As the leaders of God's people, it was Moses and Aaron's duty to uphold God's holiness. And instead of speaking to them on God's behalf, Moses spoke to them rashly and angrily. So it was a heavy punishment, yes, but we cannot diminish their duty or God's holiness. That Aaron's death is a, is a judgment is made clear in our text. In verse 24, we read that before Israel entered the promised land, Aaron must die because he had rebelled against God. In verse 26, Moses is commanded to to strip Aaron of his priestly garments. There's a negative connotation to that word, demonstrating judgment. The reason we find this 
punishment difficult to swallow is that we do not understand God's holiness or His justice or our sin. To fully appreciate God's grace and mercy, we need to know what it means that God is a holy God. He is just and righteous in His judgment. There is no corruption in Him, no partiality. God is light and there is no darkness at all in Him. And yet by their words and actions, Moses and Aaron had not upheld God's name as holy to the people. So this is a question we need to ask ourselves. Can you accept Moses and Aaron's punishment? Do we consider God's holiness as we should? Does the way you live your life show that you believe that God is this holy? Do you know in your heart that every sin deserves to be punished with death? Our God is a holy God, a just God. And when we understand that, then we will also recognize in our text that God is a gracious and faithful God. He is a God who works to take away our sin. A God slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And with that, we'll come to our second point where we'll see God's mercy. As much as our text shows God carrying out His punishment of Aaron, we must also see God's provision and mercy. Consider with me the context of Aaron's death. We know from later in Numbers that he was already 123 years old when he made his last ascent up Mount Hor. Remember that all the people of Israel were a new generation by this point. That means Aaron was more than twice as old as most of the people in the camp. Besides that, Aaron's son, Eliezer, was already very active in his priestly ministry. He was head chief over the Levites. He was in charge of the whole tabernacle and everything in it. And just a couple chapters before our text, Eliezer is taking on important priestly tasks instead of Aaron. So even though Aaron is being punished with his death, it was no surprise to anyone that his duties would eventually be passed on to his son, Eliezer. Aaron was old, and therefore it was his personal punishment that he couldn't see the promised land. But what God is doing in our text for Israel is something else. He shows his mercy and provision. In fact, we can even see that First, with with these three men on top of the mountain. In verse 24, we read that Aaron was to be gathered to his people. That means he was to be gathered up to his ancestors. And Scripture only reserves those words for Abraham, Isaac, Ishmael, Jacob, and Moses. So Aaron is punished, but he's categorized with the patriarchs of old. And we also can't miss the very personal aspects in this story. Moses and Aaron were brothers and companions who had walked a very long and difficult road together. And so rather than just taking Aaron in his sleep, God gives Moses and Aaron this last walk up the mountain together. In the same way, consider Aaron and his son Eliezer. 
Both of them had endured the crushing deaths of Aaron's two other sons, Nadab and Abihu. Nadab was supposed to be the one to take on Aaron's priestly garments. But now God grants Aaron the joyful and proud moment of witnessing his son Eleazar take his place. So yes, Aaron is punished for his sin, and he could not enter the land of Canaan. But he dies here an honorable death, literally being taken up to the Lord, and is given a last tender moment with his brother and son. So God had accepted Aaron's ministry, and we need to keep that in mind for our text. Aaron had interceded many times on behalf of the people, even running out into the midst of of a plague to atone for them. Just a few chapters before our text, we see God choosing Aaron alone to be high priest by causing his staff to bud and bloom. But even before that, God had told Aaron, right right after the exodus, that Aaron's sons would carry on his priestly ministry. In fact, when the high priestly garments were made for Aaron all those years ago, God had said, the holy garments of Aaron shall be for his sons after him. They shall be anointed in them and ordained in them. The son who succeeds him shall wear them. And God was not only merciful to Aaron, but also to the rest of his people. In our text, God graciously allows the high priesthood to continue. Aaron's death was public for the sake of Israel. He went up the mountain in the sight of all the congregation, we read. The transfer of priesthood was public so that all Israel would know that God had blessed the coming generation with another high priest. Just as he had made his choice clear with a budding staff, now the Lord would officially pass the baton to Aaron's sight, to Aaron's son in the sight of everyone. And when we take a step back and consider the people of Israel and the manner in which they had wandered through the desert, even in their 40th year, when we consider the faithlessness of the people, we should be in awe of God's mercy and grace in granting them another high priest. God elsewhere describes the priesthood as a a gift for the people. He had given the people a high priest to to oversee the sacrifices. One to offer atonement for the people on one special day a year to make them clean before the Lord for all their sins. Aaron was a mediator, someone to make intercession on the people's behalf. Truly this was a gift from God. And yet, if there was ever a time for God to discontinue this gift, it was now. The people of Israel were unceasing in their grumbling and rebellion. They had 40 years to change their ways, and yet what does God do but establish a new high priest in Aaron's stead? Aaron was no more, but from Israel's perspective, a high priest went up the mountain, and a high priest came down the mountain. The people had received a new high priest to atone for the sins of a new generation. Another man to intercede on their behalf. 
someone to offer sacrifices for the cleansing of their sins. What a merciful God that we have. And what a testimony we have of a God who is slow to anger. A holy God and a just God, but also a God who is merciful and gracious, abounding in steadfast love for his people, forgiving their iniquities and transgressions and sins. Congregation, our God is a God who changes never. He is from everlasting to everlasting, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. As it says in Psalm 102, Lord, you, Lord, enthroned forever, are the one who changes never. Every passing generation sees your glorious exaltation, and we worship the same God today. But even as we marvel at this gift of the priesthood for Israel and what it means for the forgiveness of sins, even so we can sense that with how important this office is and the weakness of the men who hold it, that there is a longing for something more, a hope for something better. The Levitical priesthood was a beautiful gift to a sinful people, but it was not a permanent solution. The high priest could not be the savior of the people. He could not offer enough blood. There could not be enough days of atonement. Though the Lord graciously accepted Aaron's ministry and allowed Eliezer to take up his task, the office itself was calling for something better. It needed to be completed. There is a straining forward and a longing in our text itself. And brothers and sisters, God does have a better plan. A perfect and complete solution for the sins of his people. And we'll see that in the third point, God's faithfulness. As we've touched on earlier, God had given Israel a high priest to intercede on their behalf. He provided a man of his own choosing to to guard the people from his holiness. A man to offer sacrifices for the forgiveness of their sins. And Aaron had done this year after year. And we can see what a gift it was for the people. That ministry would be carried on by Eliezer and his son Phinehas. And so it went on. Generation to generation was served by faithful and upright men. And yet we can see even in our text why it could not go on this way forever. Aaron was a man, a weak and sinful man. In our text, he was a man being punished for his sin. But he's also a man prevented by his death from continuing in office. His intercession for the people was cut short by his old age. And so after more than a thousand years of Levitical high priests, God has revealed to us a better plan. He has graciously provided another high priest, not a descendant of Aaron, but God's own beloved son, Jesus Christ. Aaron was weak and sinful. We can admire his patience and his love for the people when all they did was grumble and complain. 
But at a certain point, the temptation was too great. And he and Moses snapped in anger and frustration. And so as a man, Aaron could, simp- could certainly sympathize with the weaknesses of the people. Because he too was tempted as they were. But he could not save. And so God has graciously provided us with a greater high priest in Jesus. Because he too was tempted as we are. But he was without sin. Not only can Jesus sympathize with our weaknesses, but he had no sin. And therefore we may with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Here is a priest that gives us confidence to draw near to the Lord. Praise God for a sinless high priest. But just as Aaron was a sinner, he was also bound by the consequences of sin. In Hebrews 7 it says, The former priests were many in number. Because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. In our text, Aaron had to die. Even if he made it all the way to 123 years of age, to dust he must return. But not Christ. No, Christ holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. And what does the author of Hebrews say? Therefore, Because he continues forever, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Brothers and sisters, our priest always lives. Unlike Aaron, Jesus continues on forever, and because of that, we may be saved to the uttermost. Jesus Christ intercedes continually before the Father, on your behalf. Praise God for a high priest that always lives. And what can be better than a high priest who continually intercedes? Well, we read in Hebrews 5 that Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who is able to save him from death. And it says there, and he was heard because of his reverence. This is what it means to have a sinless, perfect high priest. He has a permanent office located at the right hand of the throne of his Father. And his Father hears him. We saw in our text that Aaron was not always reverent. In a moment of anger and frustration, he failed to uphold the holiness of God. But our Savior Jesus Christ is heard because of his reverence. Praise God for a high priest who reverently intercedes on our behalf. But most of all, brothers and sisters, daily Aaron had to offer sacrifices for the sins of his people. And daily he had to offer sacrifices for his own sins. The same for Eliezer. The same for Phinehas. God was gracious in granting that provision for his people. But ultimately, the blood of bulls and goats could not save. And certainly not a priest who himself needed saving. We read in Hebrews 7, 
If perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, then what further need would there have been for another priest after the order of Melchizedek, rather than one named after the order of Aaron? No, through Aaron, perfection was not attainable. But Jesus was made perfect. And in being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Yes, Christ. Hebrews 7 says, For it is indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need like Aaron and Eliezer to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, because he did this once for all when he offered up himself. Once for all, Christ finished his work. Every other priest stood daily at their service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices. But when Christ for all time offered a single sacrifice for his sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. 123 years was not enough for Aaron, but Christ has finished his work. He has sat down our sins are forgiven. Praise God for a high priest whose sacrificial work is finished. Brothers and sisters, we have such a high priest now. One who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty of heaven at this moment in our human flesh. Let us rejoice in God's gracious provision. At the end of our text, Moses and Eliezer returned down Mount Hor without Aaron. And we read there that the whole assembly wept for 30 days. Aaron had died in weakness and sin, his work incomplete. But fast forward over a thousand years and Jesus' disciples returned down from the Mount of Olives. They too returned without their high priest. But we read that they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Why the difference? Because Jesus Christ, as high priest, ascended in victory over death and sin. His work here is complete. He was gathered not to his people, but to his Father, where he continually intercedes on our behalf. Praise God, our high priest, lives. Amen.